good morning. Happy Sabbath, everyone. I'm happy to be here. The weather, slowly but surely, even though it's muggy today, is getting warmer. I've been looking at the forecast for the next week. It's not looking too bad. And that's exciting to me. It's, uh, I said that the last time I spoke, but I mean it now a little more thoroughly because it's a little more consistent. So uh, I hope that this trend continues, that spring comes soon, and we can start hanging out outside a little bit more, go on some walks together, just spend time together as a family. Um, let's pray before I, I start. Dear Lord, thank you so much for uh, being here with us today. We've invited you here uh, with our worship um, and singing so far, and just thank you for what you're doing in our lives, the, especially the things that we, we don't see, the things unmoving, um, the Holy Spirit moving in us. May you continue to bless us as a family, not as two groups, but a family, and may you continue to uh, be with us at our side individually. In your name we pray, amen. Last time uh, that I spoke, I spent a little bit of time talking about a specific thing. Does anyone remember? Mushrooms. Mushrooms. It's kind of an odd thing to to be talking about. But uh, something that I I just found so many connections. Um, Spiritually, and I keep thinking back of how how God is... uh, a purposeful God, a God that, that chooses to create with a purpose beyond what we could ever know. God works things in, in, in sometimes mysterious ways, but often spectacular ways. So uh, this week, today, we're talking about spiritual gifts. But to rehash a little bit of what I talked about last week, I talked about uh, the anatomy a little bit. There were a lot more things, but I broke it down to two major parts. The mushroom, the thing we see out of the ground, and then the mycelium, which is the roots that reach out into our community, spreading the the Holy Spirit, I use as a comparison there, that spreads out, that provides nutrients to those who are weak from those who are strong. And that's something really important. It's something that we do uh, here at church. And I also talked about how we're all different. We have different spiritual gifts we have a variety of, of things that we're good at specifically, and each of us look different in the way we do things. Each of us have special talents, and each of us are beautiful in our own ways. Luckily for us, uh, the daunting task of trying to create opportunities for the Holy Spirit to work like the mycelium does is not specifically up to us as people. We have the Holy Spirit empowering us with, with spiritual gifts. And, and I know that I talked about David in our last story. I talked about how it was a... I, I, I only mentioned, actually, the boring part of the story of David. It, it, was, it was the part where he didn't fight Goliath, what he did before. And it wasn't very exciting. And, and I didn't talk about how he, he led the attack on the titan Goliath. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mention the intricacies of that story. What I talked about was him communicating like the mycelium did. So today, uh, I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking uh, from the Bible, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you will please follow me along in, in, uh, in that chapter. 
And again, this, this book, there, there are two books here. They're letters written to the people where? In Corinth. And, and um, something important to know about this, this is, this is a person that wrote these letters, Paul. Paul writing letters to people that he knew, people that he had spent time with. So the things that he mentions in this book are specific to the people that were there. And today, this morning, I am preaching specifically to you here. So I hope that you don't miss that and that the specific parts that, talked, that are talked about, the tough parts, the awkward parts, that you understand that this is, this is a message that is meant for you specifically today. Starting in, chap, in, in chapter 12, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to read through the first uh, few verses here. Uh, we're going to start with up to verse 4. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And in verse 4, we get the first um, kind of description of the spiritual gifts here. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. We continue in verse 5, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. So we see that. There are two things listed so far, varieties in verse 4, and we have the same purpose there in verses 5 to 7. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 12, where it talks about the many parts and one body, if you'll read with me. For just as the body is one and as many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, well, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, and that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet what? One body. I think that's really important. And it's really interesting but also a little, a little dangerous. Paul, Paul is speaking clearly here. He is mentioning specific things about, about being um, united. But he is also expressing that some of us may feel different because we are different parts of the body, some more prominent, correct? If you're the head and you're comparing yourself to the heel, you might feel a little bit better about yourself. And if you're the heel comparing yourself to the head, you might feel a little bit down, and it's dangerous to be a little comparative uh, of these gifts because one person, again, uh, might, might think that they, they want to be competitive in, in, in this sort of, oh, you have that spiritual gift? Well, well oh yeah, well, mine's better. My, mine's, mine's more prominent. My, mine, is, mine is singing so you can hear me louder and I'm up front all the time, so, so that makes me better. Your, your spiritual gift is listening, so Listen. You know, and that's not, a, that's not a very healthy place to be. 
Oh my goodness. But sometimes we, we think like that. We would like to be, you know, the, the most powerful uh, spiritual gift wielder. We want to be the one who, who slays a demon, the demon slayer, right? We, wanna be, we don't want to be the one who gets the good listener award. We want to be in the action. But the Bible doesn't leave us hanging there. The Bible, the Bible explains itself. That's the good thing about the Bible. Paul goes on to explain exactly what he means and what Jesus and the Holy Spirit want us to understand about the spiritual gifts. And I know we haven't listed them yet, but that's on purpose. It's important to talk about them as a whole before we get into the minutia of it. Um, let's move on to verse 22. Um, actually, verse 21. We're going to hit 22 as well. So read along with me from verse 21 uh, to 25 there. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You guys heard that, right? Let me read that one more time. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. That means that if they're gone, the body will not work properly. It will not. Continuing on in verse 23. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body, but that the members have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's, let's, let's talk about that quickly. Paul, in verse 22, hits the nail on the head by saying the weak or seemingly weak members of the body have spiritual gifts that are indispensable in the work of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean for us today? That means that no person here today that is a member of this body is useless. They all have a purpose, a specific purpose, and they are needed. It's really easy to want to compare. It's really simple to make it about what you can do uh, regardless. We may not feel that we're good enough or that, that we appear good enough. Maybe we're concerned about the outward appearance of, of our gifts, whatever they may be. But we've seen that time and time again in the Bible that God looks directly at where? At the heart. He knows what you're capable of beyond what you're doing externally. And he knows the strength of the gifts that you have, even if they may seem weak or even strange or weird looking to others. In verse 26, the Bible uh, solidifies its call for unity in times of, of both suffering and rejoicing, especially in the, um, sorry, essentially saying that while we may feel we serve different purposes and sometimes mistakenly feel that we are either less useful or more useful than someone else, we are still bound to the same body and same spirit. And in that way, we have to support each other whenever we are downtrodden or whenever we are rejoicing. So I'm going to read that verse, just 26, really quickly. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I'm reading for the, from the ESV, so my translation may be a little bit different, but the idea is the same, together. We suffer together, we rejoice together. Those are really, really 
important things. My favorite part of this whole chapter is the ending. And I think I was supposed to flip through these slides to illustrate how different we can be from each other. Some of us look a little bit droopy. Some of us uh, think we're holier than other people, maybe literally. Sorry, that was bad. Some of us uh, look like that. Some of us sometimes can be a little bit of stinkers. This is actually called the stink horn mushroom. We can be. So again, we suffer, we rejoice together. And in the end of this chapter, the most beautiful part for me is this. Please listen carefully. Now you are the body of Christ, starting in verse 27, and individually members of it. Verse 28, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, fourth miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Here's the kicker right here. This is the important part that you need to be listening to. And I will show you a still more excellent way. This entire chapter, Paul has spent repeating himself and beating down this message of saying like, hey, you know, you're good as the other person. Your gifts are the same. They're for the same purpose. You guys get that? And he's saying it specifically why? Because this church in Corinth probably are arguing about their importance. They're probably talking about like, you know what? My gift is prophecy and I prophesy that I'm going to be the best. Oh, my gift is uh, healing and that makes me better than you. They're probably having discussions like that, that are unhealthy. But what does Paul say at the very end, culminating all of this? Oh yeah, all you who thought you were better, all of you who thought you were great, there's still a better way. And some of you may be cheating and know what the next chapter is about. Hold on, we're getting there. Um, but we're, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit um, more here about a few more spiritual gifts that I didn't mention before. So let's, let's go back uh, in chapter 12 still, verse 8. So the first gift mentioned there is what? Wisdom and knowledge. So I'll, I'll read through a few of those verses up until verse 11, I believe. From verse 8. For, one, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So, wisdom, knowledge. Faith, healing. Miracles, prophecy, insight, tongues, interpretation. A lot of gifts that Paul listed. But again, he comes to the very end. And he says, what? There's still a better way. A more, in fact, he says a more excellent way. I think that's how he says it. And I will show you still a still more excellent way. 
point I'm trying to make is a lot of us make our giftedness and our usefulness in church about us and what we can do. And that is a mistake. Paul is saying very clearly. There's an answer that we haven't talked about yet. There's something more that's beyond just the gifts. In my previous sermon, I talked about getting out into our community and being loving to them. The way that we are loving to them is by using the giftedness that we have. But that is not the most important thing. It isn't. We have this pile of gifts here. And I'm sure for a few of you, maybe you've never seen these in person before. And I think that's perfectly normal. Maybe a few seem to not happen that often in our day and age. Or maybe they aren't as apparent or prominent. But on the other hand, you may look at the members of the church sitting here today. And you may think, hey, I I can identify a few of these gifts in in some of the members here. Um, Maybe this person or that person. Some of these gifts are, are very easy to see. Going back to mushrooms, terrible segue, but one of the most famous or iconic mushrooms out there, you may not know the name of, it's, it's called the fly agaric or the amanita muscaria. It may not be the most abundant of the mushrooms that we've seen before in our lives, but I can almost promise you it is one of the most famous for a particular reason, and I bet you that the young people could give me a better idea about this. Anyone know why this is the most famous mushroom? Anybody know? Kind of, kind of. There you go. Boom. Super Mario. (laughs) That's why. It may not be super famous for everybody, but okay, if you're, if you're a person who lives on planet Earth, there's a chance that you've heard of Mario because it's a very just prominent icon like, like that's, that's been uh, shared and, and played for, for, for years now, for decades now. And the reason that this mushroom is even in the game is it gives the protagonist power to double in size, to, able, to be able to jump farther and stay in the game a little bit longer. I'm definitely stretching the comparison here of the mushroom in Mario giving power to Mario and the spiritual gifts empowering us, but I'm talking more about the mushrooms themselves in nature, not about Mario. And I think, the, again, these similarities are very important in nature uh, as our own lives as, as an anecdote or analogy. Take the uh, blue pink gill mushroom from New Zealand, for example. You know, it's actually a a part of their mythology, which is always interesting because it's just stories about how they think that things happen. And this fungus is actually featured on the New Zealand $50 note. Can you think of another dollar bill that has a mushroom on it? You can't because you didn't know this maybe, but this is the only one with a mushroom on it. It's the only one in the whole world. Only banknote with a mushroom on it. And it was, it was also uh, set on a, a bunch of stamps as well, but again, the only one in the world. And there's actually this bird here that you see next to the mushroom in New Zealand with blue cheeks, bright blue cheeks, that this mushroom got its name from. The bird is called a kokako bird. This is the Maori, Maori name for it. That's the New Zealand language. And the New Zealand name for the mushroom is the werewere kokako. It is said that the reason that this bird has these blue, vivid cheeks 
is because it's, it rubbed its face against this mushroom. And that's how it came to be. That's what they think. Probably not. Anyways, let's take a, a different mushroom that uh, you saw a little bit before. This is called the stink horn mushroom. All right. Does it look very great? Would you pick that up and eat it? No, you might run away. It looks a little alien to me. What possible use could such a creepy, scary-looking mess of a fungi have? Not only is this fungus visually shocking, but they get their characteristic name from the unpleasant aroma and fragrance, fragrance that they also provide to the area. Although they may look dangerous and disease-ridden, they aren't. In fact, they don't harm any plants at all or any plants near them. And in fact, they grow more commonly on dead organic material and are supremely beneficial in that they can contribute to the recycling of plant debris into nutrients that improve soil fertility and can be used by the garden plants surrounding them. Someone out there might have a garden and see this weird-looking plant on the ground and think, oh my goodness, I don't want that here. And then they'll get hit by that smell and then they'll definitely get a shovel and get it out of the garden. But they're doing their garden a disservice. Hmm. All that the mushrooms are accomplishing is of deep benefit to the surrounding plants. Even if they were amongst flowers, they wouldn't be hurting them. In fact, they would be bringing them to life. I want to share uh, this next group of verses, these next three verses with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. Please follow along because I think these verses are pretty, pretty cool. Starting in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? What does a stinkhorn do? It's vivid, noticeable. Its fragrance and aroma are as well. And although unpleasant, what the stinkhorn is doing is bringing life from death. Isn't that what God does? Hmm. It is resurrecting an area from a dead area into a vibrant and abundant community. Some of you out there today, like me, may feel like a stinkhorn sometimes. Some of you may have been told when you were younger that, you know, you're a stinkhorn and you're going to be a stinkhorn for the rest of your life. Luckily, the gospel doesn't discriminate based on what we look like, based on what we smell like, or how tall we are. It's definitely not how tall we are. That has nothing to do with it. Height, especially, has nothing to do with it. Now, my hero, Jesus, looks directly at our hearts. He knows what we're capable of doing. Even when others can't see a possible way for, for us to be beneficial, for our spiritual gift to be something useful. God sees deeper. God knows where to find our spiritual gift. Because we are all, we're all one piece of the body, are we not? We're all, we're all one special part. 
I know that we all want to have just that special power that allows us to vanquish the devil with just one punch. But some of us have to be stinkhorns. And that has to be okay sometimes. I want to close by reading to you a few verses from one of my favorite chapters in the book of 1 Corinthians. This is the answer that Paul was, was seeking to give out, the, part, the answer that I haven't given you yet. We finished chapter 12. We read all of that together. But we're going to read chapter 13 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Depending on where you're reading the Bible, uh, there may be a subheading for this. I'm guessing it has something to do with love. Do you remember the end of, of, of chapter 12? What was that last phrase that Paul said? He wanted to show us a still more excellent way. What is that way? It's right here. Let's read. Let's start with the first three verses. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. If love isn't behind what you do, then it doesn't matter what gifts you have. Doesn't matter how, doesn't matter how hard you work doesn't matter how good you look or smell or how tall you are. If there is no love in how you treat others, especially specifically the ones in your local community or the ones sitting right next to you, then you are worse than a stinkhorn mushroom because you are useless to the cause of God. Those are strong words and I mean them seriously. If you are not actively seeking ways to use your gifts to show love to people, then you need to change. You need to stop and reevaluate. So let's do a little bit of that right now. Let's keep reading. Verse four. What is love? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see, a mirror, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is... There is a lot to unpack there but I want to get at the heart of it, at the base, where the mycelium is spreading. Patience and kindness. No envying. No boasting. Love, at its most basic point, is not about you. 
It's not about what you think or what you can do, how you look, how you act. It is about other people and how you can bring life to them. How you can sense that they are dead on the inside, that they have no hope. We are called directly to bring life into them. And there's no easy way to get to this. There's, there's, there's no simple way to do this. It takes time. You can't just pour bleach on your life and think that, that it's going to be white immediately. So let me reiterate. No matter how useless or ordinary or plain you may think you look or feel, maybe you feel alone or different, God has a deep planned out purpose for your life. His purpose for you is to bring life to those who feel dead, to rejuvenate the spirits of those who are weary, to be, if you can repeat this with me, do it, to be the slow and steady hum of deeds done to relieve suffering and meet needs. That's it. That's the whole thing. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for what you do in our lives. Thank you for the example in nature. My goodness, such a, such a mundane thing, a mushroom, to have so much to do with our lives. God, I ask today that if we feel like a stinkhorn or like a pink bluegill, that we may feel a part of the body that we may feel useful, but only if we have the love behind that. May we use our gifts today, this week, this month, this year, to spread the gospel of peace and love and kindness. But most of all of those, love. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more content or to connect with us, visit us online at brunswickadventist.church